Well, if you turn to Matthew chapter 12 in the uh, Bible, in our Bibles, in the church Bibles, that's page 978. And if you have uh, a large print, that's page 1520. Matthew chapter 12. And this evening we're going to uh, be looking at verses 46 down to verse 50. Well, what, what comes to your mind uh, when you think about family? Now, perhaps for some of us, uh, we have lovely visions of family. Uh, we've had good experiences of uh, both the closeness and, in the good sense of the word, the chaos uh, that family has. And when you think of family, you maybe think of you know, warm fire and all those kind of things that I don't ever think happen in real life. But, you know, nice... Lovely images of family. Uh, perhaps some of you, though, have uh, thoughts about, if you think about family and maybe as a, a younger person, you might think, well, I, I can't wait to get away from these people. Uh, perhaps my family might be thinking that after the Kaylee last night, seeing my dancing. They might think, oh, no, is, is he part of our family? Uh, others perhaps idolize family uh, so much where family is, is their whole world and Members of their family are just everything to them at the expense of, of everything else. And sadly, perhaps for some, family is very negative in our thoughts. Perhaps when some of us think of family, we think of a place of arguments, uh, tension, even abuse. But in the Bible, neither hatred of nor idolatry of family are good. But in the Bible, family is a gift that is given to us by God. Uh, Psalm 68 verses 5 and 6 uh, talks of God as a father to the fatherless. A defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. And so as we talk tonight of family from this passage in Matthew, especially if we come from a place where family has negative thoughts, we need to come with fresh eyes to see what Jesus is saying here. When Jesus is talking of family, uh, we're thinking here of a community where there is a, a common bond Uh, Usually in families, that's uh, uh, marriage and and parentage, isn't it? A family is a community where when it's working as intended, we care for one another. And the family was God's idea. He instituted it when he made Adam and Eve uh, as husband and wife. And, And God's people have always been a family. In the Old Testament, the community of God's people at one time were a biological family. So when you think of Adam and Eve, and then later on you have Abraham and his family, and then later on a national family, the the nation of Israel. But in the New Testament, when we read about family, most of the time the New Testament is talking about the church, the family of faith. And in this short passage In Matthew's Gospel that we're going to look at this evening, Jesus teaches us that his disciples are his family. A family where the bonds are so deep 
that they are deeper even than our blood relatives. Now, some of you may have heard of the phrase that blood is thicker than water. What that means is there is no bond stronger than our blood family. But Jesus turns this right around because for those who have been baptised into his family, actually water is thicker than blood. Well, how is this so and, and why does that even matter? Well, let's see what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12 and verses 46 to 50. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside waiting, wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. This is God's word. We've been going through Matthew chapter 11 and 12 in uh, recent months where we've seen various responses to Jesus and his miracles and teaching. And we come to the final response, which we see right there in verse 50, the response of doing the will of his Father in heaven. Well, Jesus describes those that do that as his family. Now, Jesus' earthly family here refer to his mother, Mary, and his brothers, which we know that he had a good number. Jesus had uh, lots of brothers. Uh, in fact, Matthew chapter 12 uh, and verse 50, uh, sorry, later on in, the, in Matthew's gospel, it tells us that Jesus had sisters as well. So we know that he had an earthly family. We know as well he had a father who was Joseph. And because he's not mentioned really since uh, the birth narratives, he's mentioned in Luke when Jesus was a small child, uh, people assume that by this point Joseph had died. But we don't really know, except we know that he had a mother, Mary, his earthly father, Joseph, adopted him into his family, he had brothers, and he had sisters. And Jesus' mother and brothers came to see Jesus while Jesus is in a house. Now, we know he's in a house because in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 1, uh, it says he went out of the house. So he was in the house at this particular point, and they wanted to speak to him, and so they must have asked someone to go in and tell Jesus that they are here and want to do that, which uh, they did. But rather than respond to Jesus' request, uh, to the family's request by going outside, rather Jesus decided to use that relationship with his family to teach the people in the house about the deep family relationship that he has with his disciples. And what Jesus teaches his disciples by using the example of his family outside is that Jesus' disciples are his family. In verse 48, Jesus asks the question, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Well, he's not going uh, a little bit crazy. He's not absent-minded and, you know, looking outside and thinking, who are these people? 
Some of us might feel like saying that to our family sometimes, but Jesus isn't doing anything of that kind of thing. Uh, He's not disassociating himself from his blood relatives. In fact, we know that Jesus really did care for his family. Uh, We know that uh, in the the Old Testament we are told to honour our father and mother and we know that Jesus did that. In Luke's Gospel, in the account where Jesus is found in the temple after his parents have have lost him, uh, we read when they take him home that Jesus was obedient to his parents. As a child he obeyed them. He honoured his parents. We know that later on, in, uh, as Jesus is on the cross in John's Gospel, he makes sure that Mary, his mother, is cared for by John when he is gone. So as, it, as a child, he obeys his parents. Later on, he makes sure that his parents, or his mother, is well looked after uh, when he is gone. So he's not anti-blood family. Rather, Jesus perfectly fulfills all the commands that we have in the scriptures of how we are supposed to care for our families. So here, this isn't kind of an anomaly in the Bible where Jesus all of a sudden is being rude to his family. Rather than dishonouring them, Jesus uses their appearance to show the relationship that he has to his disciples. And so in verse 49... We read, pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Now we know, of course, he's using an illustration. They're not, you know, his mother's outside. He hasn't got more than one mother. All those kind of things are true. He's using here an illustration. But he's referring directly to his disciples. He's pointing at them. And he's saying that they are his mothers and brothers. Now, mother, our mother and our brothers are not distant relatives, are they? But they're close ones. They're the ones that you live with as children. They are your parents and your siblings. Now, Jesus is God's son, the, the child of God. And his disciples, those uh, who are in that room with him, those who follow Jesus, have the same father that he does, because they, or we as, as Christians, disciples, are adopted into his family. So the disciples are not distant relatives, like you in this room are my second cousins, and I've got some second cousins, I don't even know who they are. It's not like that, it is a family bond that is like a mother and like a brother. In fact, this teaching of how we are family as Christians goes all through uh, the New Testament. Here are some uh, verses that help us to see uh, this truth. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. For he, that's God, chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. In Galatians chapter 4 and verse 6, because you are, that's his, that's God's sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So we are adopted children of God who have the same father in heaven. And so with that same father, we are close relatives. 
Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 uh, tells us about that family bond. Oops, it says, this is, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So we are adopted into the family of God. We don't become members of it because of our own uh, merit. Now think about that for, for just for a, think about that for a moment. There's, there's illustra- the illustrations that the Bible uses about becoming a Christian are new birth and adoption, aren't they? So in John chapter three, we, we read about being born again, and here we've read in Ephesians about adoption. Both of those are ways that you enter into a family, and neither of those you get into by merit. In our uh, marriage, uh, I, I, I was born into my family, and Paula uh, was adopted into her family. I did not audition in the room to join my family, and Paula did not audition to uh, be adopted by her parents. Both of us were in, put, put into the family, and they have to take us come what may. And that is how it is with God. We don't audition for it. We don't merit it. We don't deserve it. And you would think that if anyone in history would have a claim to be part of God's family, it would be Mary, right? She's Jesus' mother. But no, she is outside. And so are his brothers. There's a significance there. Jesus is saying that in here are my family. You are my mother and brothers. Outside is Mary and the brothers. They, they don't become part of this family because she happens to be my mother or they happen to be my brothers. And so for us, we don't become part of Jesus' family because you were born into a Christian home. You don't become part of Jesus' family because for generations my family has followed Jesus and so I must be part of that. You don't become part of Jesus' family because you've passed the test or you're clever enough or that you can do certain things. It is not by merit that we are adopted or reborn into the family of God. It is all because of God's grace that he chose us to be part of that. And so Jesus points at his disciples and he says to them, you are my close family relatives. And by the way, Jesus doesn't say here, you're just like my mother. You know, sometimes uh, I've had, you know, occasionally someone say that to me, oh, you're, you're, you're like a brother to me. Jesus doesn't say they're like anything. They are his mother and his brothers. They really are his family. Well, is this how you view your fellow believers in Christ? Is this how you see the people that are sitting around you this evening in this very room? The members of this local church in Pelsall. Because if we look at one another, not just as like brothers and sisters, but actually that we are family, it does have radical implications for how we relate to each other, doesn't it? Just take, for example, the the commands that are given to us for our blood relatives. Because if what Jesus is saying is true, they do apply 
to the church family. So honouring parents means that we need to honour and care for those who are elderly or more experienced than we are in our church family. In fact, 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verses 1 and 2, uh, Paul says, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Do you see how differently that men would look at women in the church if they treated them as sisters rather than as objects? Christian families are are supposed to be the place where children are taught about the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. Psalm 78 talks all about that. And the children in the church family then are all of our children. So we need to be praying for them, being examples to them. And when we have opportunity to tell them about Jesus, we should be telling them about Jesus. Families are commanded to provide for each other. And so in the church family, if there is someone that is in need, they need to be helped. And as a family, we can step up and we can help those who need our help. When you see someone in need, we should see them as we would see our own family that is in need. The church family, in the same way as the home, should be a place of forgiveness. A place where we defend one another. Where we put ourselves out for one another. And it must be also said that if we are a proper family, because we live in a fallen world, there will be times of tension, frustration, disappointments, heartaches, and just sometimes we can get on each other's nerves. That's all part of being a family, isn't it? But the family of Jesus is a wonderful place to be. Because if you are someone with no parents, or are lonely, a widow or a widower, you have no Christians at home in your uh, blood family, what what a wonderful blessing the church family is to be part of. When in the church you have mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and people that can help and encourage. It's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful gift of God to be placed in a family. But at the same time, that means that there needs to be a a commitment to our family, doesn't it? And sometimes the church family and our, our blood family can perhaps clash in terms of time. Uh, we're going to look in a moment at the at, at, at clashes in terms of what we believe, but sometimes we can put so much into our blood family that we have no time for our church family. I mean, we could go the wrong way and have no time for our children or our parents, and I, I, I get that, and there's, a, there's warnings in the Bible about that too. But just, why don't we challenge ourselves just to think, you know, are we committed to our church family? Do we throw ourselves in to helping each other and, and loving each other? Are we committed to, to meeting together? What do you do on a, on a, on a Sunday or on a Thursday evening? The, the, the two big times that we meet together as a family, aren't they? We need to commit to meeting together. Because if we don't meet together, we don't encourage each other, and we don't pray for each other, we can't really function as the family that God calls us to be. 
Jesus' family are his disciples. And we need to have the same mindset that he has as we look at one another, that we are family in Christ. So Jesus speaks of the family bonds that he has with his disciples. But notice how the bonds of the Christian family are even deeper than that of his blood relatives here. In verses 46 and 47, notice how twice we read that his family are outside. Now, I see significance in this. There doesn't appear in this passage to be conflict. But there is definitely a decision made by Jesus to stay inside with the Christian family at the expense of the earthly one that is standing outside. Now, again, this isn't Jesus neglecting his family, but rather Jesus making a point about the relationship with his disciples. Jesus' disciples are his family, but more than the bond uh, that he has with his blood family, the, one, the bond he has with his disciples goes even deeper, or, or water is thicker than blood. And there may be times in our lives where for some of us, there is a direct conflict with our earthly families because of the fact we're Christians. Some of us have families that aren't believers and they want to pull us the other way. Sometimes our families hate the fact that we believe. They want us to do something else. Sometimes families make it difficult to follow Jesus. And it's easy for me to say, well, look here. Put your Christian faith and family first. It's much harder to do when our families are against us, isn't it? It is a, it is a hard and difficult thing. And at times like this, we need as a church family to be rallying around each other. Being that family that sometimes makes up for a loss that has been suffered by the rejection of our earthly family. Sometimes our family do not want us to follow Christ, but we must, in those times, have to say to our family, No, because I have an allegiance to a Father in heaven and brothers and sisters that is even deeper than the relationship that I have even with my family here on earth. That isn't easy. In fact, it's very hard. But it's something that sometimes we are faced with and must do. But at those times, if we know of people where their families are against them, let's, let's gather around. Let's be that family that is missing. I was so thankful when I was uh, growing up in my church in Ivy Bridge, where I had... I had fathers in that church, fathers that showed me what a man of God is. I'm ever so grateful that they took me in and helped me when I needed that help and that discipleship. That's a church family, and Jesus says that's how uh, we should be. But I've talked about the the bond that we have as as Christians being deep. Well, what is that bond? What what is it that, that does bond us together? Well, Jesus uh, goes on to teach us that in verse 50. Notice in verse 50, uh, he, in verse 49, he says, Here are my mother and brothers. And then in verse 50, he gives the reason. That's what the word is at the very beginning, for, for, which means this is the reason that these are my mother and brothers and sisters. And the reason is because our father's will is the family bond. That's the second big point here. Our father's will is the family bond. Verse 50, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven 
is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus is not saying here that you need to do the Father's will in order to earn a place in the family. You are born into the family. You are adopted into the family. As I said before, you don't make an audition. Who does the will of the Father best? You can be in, you can be out. That's not how it works. But rather, Jesus is teaching here that doing the Father's will is the family likeness. I mean, you, you, you know sometimes when you look at children who's their father or who is their mother, don't you? You can say, oh, they're just like their father or just like their mother. And sometimes um, we, we can see that so clearly, and it's because it's in the, the DNA, isn't it? Um, I think I've told you uh, before, but I, I, I didn't live with my father as I was growing up. Uh, we never uh, lived together. We hardly ever saw each other. But we're very much alike and when you see us together, you would know that I'm his son. Well, how can that be? We've never, never been together, but it's in my DNA. I'm like my father in many ways. But the family likeness that we have as Christians, what is in our DNA, as we are born again or adopted into that family, is that we have new hearts that have the Holy Spirit of God living in us, and so we are like our father in heaven. As our hearts are changed by the Holy Spirit working in our lives, we become more and more like Jesus, who is the one who perfectly does his Father's will. And so the family likeness is someone who does the will of the Father. We should be able to recognize each other as Christians by doing the will of the Father. And so, for example, if there are two Christians that are are working together in a workplace it should be uh, fairly clear to the others that are working around them that these two people are kind of similar. What's going on in their lives? Well, the similarity is the family likeness, the the will of the Father. Well, what is the, the will of the Father? What is our Father's will? Well, first of all, the will of our Father is that we would believe in the truth about who Jesus is and what he has done to save us from sin. We have that bond in what we believe. And this morning, at the very beginning of our service, we read together the Apostles' Creed. That could be, that's the will of the Father, that we believe those truths uh, of, of, of Scripture. But the other part of the will of the Father is that in the light of that truth, we live out the teachings of Jesus found in the Bible. The Bible is God's revealed will for us. And so in the Bible we find out who Jesus is and what he has done for us and in the Bible we see what it means to follow him and obey him. That's the will of God. So our family likeness is we believe the same things about Jesus and we act like Jesus and we do that together. So having looked at, the, the, at God's will, our Father's will, we can now think about how does this bind us together? Well, if we're following God's will, it binds us together in a number of ways. So we have a common goal. Our common goal, our family's mission is to glorify our common Father, isn't it? That's what we want to do as a family. Now again, this may bring us into conflict with our earthly families, But as a Christian family, that binds us together. We we come together, we meet together as God's people with a common aim. We want to glorify 
our Father in heaven. We have a common understanding about what's right and wrong and we can help and support one another in knowing God better and knowing what is right and wrong in the Christian life. We have a a common struggle as we seek in in, in a hostile world to do the will of God. And we have a common hope, don't we? We're all looking forward to the same thing, to be a family that has no more sin or suffering or or any of those things. We're a common hope that we can point one another towards. In short, if Jesus is the most important person in your life, your grand passion is his glory, which supersedes anything else, then you can't have a deeper bond with anybody else unless they have that same passion as you do. And so as a, just as a slight kind of aside... That does mean we need to be very careful in how we establish new earthly families in marriage. If you're not marrying someone with those common goals and common understandings and common struggles, with that overriding passion to bring glory to God, then that marriage is not going to be a good marriage to have. And all of this means that sometimes our blood family will remain somewhat outside if they have different goals and different passions to the glory of God. Now for some of us, this is very real, isn't it? That our families are very different to us. They don't want to glorify God. They, they don't want us to follow him. But there is a wonderful promise found in Luke's Gospel. In chapter 18 and verses 29 and 30. Jesus says this, Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this life and in the age to come eternal life. This doesn't minimize the pain that we suffer when we have to go against our families But Jesus is saying here that when we are part of the church family, we can have even more with the bonds we have together as brothers and sisters in this life. We have uh, brothers and sisters and parents and children. We have relationships together that are so much deeper than we can have even with our earthly families. It doesn't make family rejection easy, but it does give us hope, doesn't it? So the Christian family that is following the Christian, uh, uh, the the, the scriptural commands to uh, obey uh, the will of God is a place where we should truly feel at home. This should be home for us. When we come to church and we meet together, this should feel like home. Often we can be a little bit standoffish. But rather, why don't we throw ourselves in to this family and really love one another as a family of faith? Let's be looking out for the needs of one another. Let's be providing for one another. Let us be examples to those who are younger than us. Let us be praying with one another. Let us be encouraging one another to do the will of our Father. Now, it all sounds wonderful to be part of this church family. 
It might sound wonderful that, that we, we, we've got all these wonderful gifts from God and, and it sounds great, but maybe you're feeling tonight, well, that sounds great, but I feel like I'm on the outside of the church family. I feel like an outsider at church. Perhaps you are uh, visiting the family, but don't really feel part of the family. Perhaps you've never asked for your sins to be forgiven so that you can be part of God's family. To become part of it isn't by doing anything. We become part of God's family by believing that Jesus has died for our sins and is risen from the dead. And we ask him to forgive our sins and we want to follow him as our king. That's the common common forgiveness that we have as Christians. But maybe you're feeling, I feel on the outside. Well, there's good news for any of you that feel a little bit on the outside. And that good news is that our Father has an open house. Notice in verse 50 who Jesus says can be part of this family. He says, whoever, whoever does the will of my Father. Not only those who are born to parents who believe, not only those who know the Bible really well, not only those who have come to church for a long time. No, Jesus says, whoever, whoever will do the will of my Father. So if we think again about the will of the Father, believing the truth about what Jesus, who he is and what he's done, and wanting to, to do what he wants us to do with our lives, if, that is what, if, if, if we are doing that, believing that, whoever can be part of God's family. This family has an open house for whoever wants to come. And so if you're feeling on the outside, why don't you come and, and speak to us afterwards? And we'd love to share more with you about how you can be a part of this family of faith. The door to God's house is always open. He doesn't lock it and go to bed and say no. He doesn't put the phone off the hook so no one can ring him. God is always available. Our Father. He doesn't even sleep. He doesn't need to. He's always there if you would just come. Why don't we pray before we sing? Heavenly Father, we... Uh, thank you so much that you are our Father. Uh, it's challenging, Lord, to hear these words of Jesus because we know sometimes we have not looked at our brothers and sisters in Christ as we ought to have, and we pray that you would forgive us for the sins of neglecting to be uh, an active part of the family as we should be. But we pray, Father, especially for those uh, who have families that uh, do not believe at home who have parents that are against their Christian faith or children that mock them or want to pull them away. And we pray, Lord, that you'd give strength for us to take a stand on the truth of your word and to follow you even when our earthly families are against us. But I pray that as a church, as a family of faith, we would be to one another, brothers and sisters and parents and children, that would make up for any loss that we suffer from our earthly families. May we be that for one another.
And would you encourage us with what we have heard tonight? Seal these words upon our hearts and help us to do the will of our Father in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.